With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is your home to the Best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win a million dollars. That's right, a million bucks. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you in part by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Indeed, can you believe that we have reached the end of the month of May and we get into Memorial Day weekend with fight cards to discuss. Hello, welcome in, and great to be back with you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host of the show in a moment senior writer bigfightweekend.com marquise johns will be here we've got a lot to go over including the undisputed junior welterweight world title win by josh taylor of scotland last saturday night in las vegas we were previewing that fight a bunch marquise is ready to gloat that he got it right with josh taylor i got it wrong with jose ramirez stand by for that momentarily later in the podcast boxing scene senior writer and columnist jake donovan is here to not only talk taylor ramirez recap but in the preview mode uh, we've got a wbc bantamweight world title fight pbc on showtime that is nordine obwale if i got that right I'll have fun with the pronunciation throughout the podcast here. Taking on Nornito Donaire of the Philippines. Obwale out of uh, France by way of Morocco. It's a Moroccan name. Uh, so that's the main event in uh, Southern California, Carson, California, Dignity Health Sports Complex. Jake Donovan there. He'll give us some insight on that. We've got a Dave, Devin Haney World Lightweight title fight. Uh, that one coming, uh, the WBC title uh, again, it's convoluted in the WBC. I wrote about this earlier in the week. Uh, Marquise and Jake will try to help straighten me out on that. Haney fighting Jorge Linares in the Matchroom DAZN main event in Las Vegas on Saturday night as well. We'll get full breakdowns of all of that. Go over some gambling odds as well. Uh, all of that straight ahead. Reminder, however you found this podcast, speaking of gambling, from the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network fleet of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe to this podcast. It comes easiest to you in the preview mode on Fridays. If you subscribe, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera, fire away uh, on the subscription, and the podcast comes automatically to you. Um, and again, we thank our friends at the sportsgamblingpodcast.com and Sports Gambling uh, Podcast Network of Shows for doing a great job in pushing us and promoting us as thousands and thousands of boxing fans are finding us all over the place 
Keep doing so. Keep it locked in here. We even give you some gambling advice as things go along. With all of that done, here he is, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com, Marquise Johns. Go ahead. Let me have it. You had the Tartan Tornado. You had Josh Taylor last Saturday night. I did not believe in the Scotsman. I believed in Jose Ramirez, the Californian. Uh, and let me say publicly, I, I, I botched this last week on the podcast. He is California bred of Mexican descent. Uh, Jose Mar- Ramirez, I portrayed a couple times as a, as a Mexican-American. He had never fought in Mexico. So I just want to say publicly, I don't get them all right. Uh, we try here on the podcast. Jose, I was backing you, California, Mexico, or whatever, but Josh Taylor was better, and Marquise Johns tried to tell me on this podcast he would be better. Weak Sauce Radio, how you doing? Nice call. You got it right. Thank you, TJ. But more importantly, are people giving you flack for uh, uh, Jose Ramirez based out of Fresno, California, TJ? Let's be honest. <laughs> Fresno might as well be Mexico. If, if, if send that hate mail to uh, at Weak Sauce Radio on Twitter, yes. TJ. But, but also, I'd like to thank as well, Kenny Bayless, TJ, was in rare form, and by rare Ooh. form, I mean awful. And that's just me being generous about it as a whole Saturday night. Between this those is the two, referee. This is the referee of Taylor Ramirez, if people don't know what we're mentioning. And you clobbered him shortly after the fight in a piece on BigFightWeekend.com. This is a guy that's worked a ton of championship fights, worked the Wilder Fury heavyweight title fight, has once worked a bunch of uh, Manny Pacquiao world title fights, Floyd Mayweather world title fights in Las Vegas, Canelo Alvarez, etc., but you believe he was a contributing factor in this one in a negative way as the third man the other night. Absolutely, TJ. That, se- that second knockdown in that Ramirez-Taylor fight, great fight, by the way, TJ. Real close up and down, back and forth action all, all throughout. But that second knockdown where you hear Kenny Bayless yelling in the background, break, and then you don't see him you know, physically coming to break it up, and then you see a light touch, and then all of a sudden you see Ramirez back off, and he's greeted with a chuck check hook by Taylor that sent him down for the second time. Cost him the round. That round was the difference in the fight. It's something as simple as that. Considering the fact that the last four rounds of this Taylor Ramirez fight, either he was fighting with a broken hand or he wasn't using it, TJ, because he he lost the last four rounds outright personally. So it, it made a difference. Well, yeah, two 10-8 rounds was the difference, as it turns out, on the three judges' cards uh, for this one. And I, I thought, watching live, that Josh Taylor had done enough. Something like 7-5 and with the two knockdown r- rounds, an easy win. And then you hear the cards announced at 114-112, uh, and you're going, wait a minute, that's six rounds to six with the two knockdown rounds subtracted from Ramirez's total. And then you see the judges' cards, and to your point, on all three of them, they gave him three of the last four, and one of the judges, and they were all American judges, all tremendous uh, U.S. championship judges who had never worked a Josh Taylor fight and had never worked a Jose Ramirez fight, by the way. All three of them gave him three of the four rounds, and, and one of the judges gave him all four of the final four rounds, 9, 10, 11, and 12, making the fight much closer on his card, but making the fight nearly a majority draw uh, in this one, if not for the knockdowns. And that's your point about the, the controversy with Bayless not breaking them up and that knockdown counting for an extra point. Absolutely, TJ. And, and if, can you imagine the outrage of this fight and had this went to the cards and all these cards busted out with that majority draw decision? That would have been absolutely disastrous on so many levels. So I'm glad they got, at least they got, they, the judges got it right. The right guy won. 
I'm more intrigued, TJ, because uh, we're all for for all intents and purposes. Uh, Josh Taylor is next up to face uh, more likely in the native uh, uh, Scotland. Uh, uh, Jack Catterall is a WBO mandatory at 140. It's going to be a hometown bout for him. He, for him, he should get by that very easily, TJ. The question mm-hmm. now from here b- begins: Who is he face next? I'm I'm looking forward to a rematch personally with Regis Progress. I don't know if the politics will get involved with any of that now that Progress is not a, as a free agent again. Uh, enjoying on the PBC side of things as an advisory. We'll see what happens with all that. We know top rank does with things. Uh, the pro grade uh, fight is the most attractive one at 140 right now because he has all the belts. And I know this, Jake Donovan will have some opinions on this as well. We'll kind of kick it around with him about uh-huh. what he should do next. But from my standpoint, when you get to undisputed, where, where very few guys have been four belt undisputed here in the in the modern era, and he's just done that and joined the likes of Teofimo uh, Lopez, joined Bernard Hopkins, Gennady Golovkin had all the belts at middleweight. From my money, stay there for a couple of fights at least, and don't worry about moving down or moving up from 140. If I'm Josh Taylor, that's easy for me to say, but I think let let some people come to him. Go fight in the UK. Go fight in, in Scotland. Go fight in an outdoor stadium in Scotland and have 20, 25,000, 40,000 of your countrymen and women that are there and soak in being undisputed, right? Yeah, really. It, 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 no, it's it, for Taylor. This is this is perfect for him. Like where he can have the opportunity to pretty much stay at 140. He hasn't really made any aspirations about moving up or down either way. So he's going to be here for a minute at least, TJ. At least for a few fights. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully they won't subject him to some of these awful mandatories after Catterall. But we'll see what happens from there. We'll see what the WBA creates with their structure, and we'll we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of uh, of news that's going on. We'll get into the specifics of the two fight cards that are both in Southern California and in Vegas. Championship fights this weekend and a little gambling talk uh, in and around those fights in our final segment. A couple of news of the week things. Um, the, the blowback, the fallout continues for the upcoming Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight. That one to be in July. It's not confirmed yet that it would be at the Raiders Stadium, Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Las Vegas Raiders, 70,000 seats for football, somewhere north of 40,000, maybe 50,000 can be there for Wilder Fury 2 in the, in the facility in Las Vegas in July, if that's the case. But the latest is this week on the News of the Week that uh, Anthony Joshua, the unified champion, uh, he's basically locked in to fight Alexander Usyk. And the WBO not messing around right now, Marquise. The World Boxing Organization has basically put Eddie Hearn on notice and basically saying right now uh, that, hey, you got to come to some kind of agreement here for that to be the next fight, right? At this point, that the WBO wants that to be the next bout for Anthony Joshua, and they've got to come to a deal fairly quickly here, or Joshua could be in danger of being stripped of the WBO belt if he doesn't want to agree. Absolutely, TJ. And I think what this WBO belt for Anthony Joshua and what's taking him so long on, on this Usyk fight, I don't think he wants to fight with Usyk to begin with. He was talking about dropping this WBO belt, TJ, before he lost in the Angel Louise the first time back in 2019. So I think this honestly, TJ, is just par for the course. That's why you keep hearing things from Eddie Hearn saying like he wants to, you know, bring back Andy Louise for a third time or Luis Ortiz and, you know, the, the usual, what the kids are calling nowadays, TJ, clout chasing. But at, at this point, it seems to be, for Joshua, he's stuck on the out because he, he's the odd man out of, out of this whole Fury Wilder sweepstakes. He has to fight somebody prominent, and he's already faced Kubat Pulov, so he has no mandatory shenanigans to deal with. So he has to find an actual big name. And outside of Usyk, TJ, I don't know if he's going to find one. 
All right, a couple more things to cover here in kind of the news of the week. I, I do think it was cool going back to Sunday. I know we're later in the week that they honored Marvelous Marvin Hagler in Brockton, Massachusetts, his adopted hometown. Marvin Hagler Day declared for the state of Massachusetts last Sunday as the late Marvin Hagler would have been 67 on Sunday. That was neat. You had the likes of Bernard Hopkins, uh, Al Bernstein, uh, Tommy Hitman Hearns was there, although the mm. Hitman is not in the best of condition no. uh, any longer in deteriorating health to, to speak. But he was there, of course, had the epic short fight with Hagler where Hagler knocked him out. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of contemporaries, a lot of dignitaries uh, that were there. Hagler's mother there, all of his children there, his second wife, uh, Kay, was there for, for Hagler to be honored um last sunday i think that was a neat thing for brockton massachusetts and it's only going to tie into i am amped up for this four-part docu-series on showtime the kings showtime cable in the u.s for those of our brothers and sisters that are listening outside of the united states you got to find these documentaries they're going to air it in four parts four consecutive sundays with Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, Hitman Hearns, Hands of Stone, Roberto Duran, and how their careers all intertwined and they fought each other. Great storytelling. I, I just, I, it's sad we don't have Marvin around for this. It's it's sad for a lot of reasons that Marvin's not around, but I'm amped for the documentaries and I, I'm proud uh, and thrilled that they honored him in Brockton, Massachusetts, because I know Rocky Marciano made Brockton the most famous as the undefeated heavyweight champion. Uh, and it was in Rocky Marciano Football Stadium at the high school in Brockton where they held the Marvin Hagler tribute and Marvin Hagler Day. Those guys are synonymous uh, in Brockton with boxing and, and Hagler, one of the greatest non-heavyweights, we agree, of the, of the last 50 years of the sport, Marquise. Give me some more on that. Absolutely, TJ. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, one of the greatest middleweights ever in the, uh, in the world of boxing. And I, I am amped up, by the way, TJ. Uh, I, I did finally get a chance to binge watch this uh, Showtime documentary coming out in June, TJ. And I can tell you uh, firsthand for anybody listening to the sound of my voice, find a way to watch this documentary. It is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. So much so, because it, 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 chronolog it, it, does, it, it chronologizes everything, and it, and, it, and it does it really well. And I'm glad that uh, they, they symbolized uh, Hagler and Brockton teaching, but I thought it would be more of a bigger deal. And maybe it's just because of the timing of it, but I, I would have thought I would have gotten like something like this, considering that back in the day, TJ, especially with Hagler, like with these fights, they shut things down uh, in these yep. fights. And it's, it's the one thing that they mentioned in, in not to spoil the documentary for folks, but did, did those four Kings fights uh, kind of national holidays pretty much. Well, yeah. I mean, it was the biggest of big deals when Leonard was fighting, um, uh, Thomas Hearns first, and yeah. that kind of kicked everything off because then at that point, uh, you know, Leonard was looking to to retire, maybe not retire. And then uh, Hearns, uh, you know, Hagler ends up fighting uh, Duran and beating him, and it's kind of controversial. And then Hearns ends up destroying Duran, and it kind of set everything into motion for uh, Hagler Hearns. It set everything into motion eventually for Leonard Hagler. Uh -huh. uh, it's just great to watch all of this. And again, Showtime will debut it next Sunday night, June the 6th, in and around the Mayweather Logan Paul pay-per-view that I will not subject you tonight to talking about that, Marquise. We'll talk more about it next week in the preview mode, Mayweather Logan Paul. But they're going to do four parts, and they're going to do it four consecutive weeks. Um, and we got access. We should say, we'll pull the curtain back just a little bit here. We got yeah. access to the documentaries in advance. And are you telling me as we tape the big fight weekend podcast, you have already binged this and seen them all, or you've just seen the first one so far. 
Tease us. You've seen them all? Oh, I've seen them all, TJ. Yours truly got kind of roped wow. up and hooked after the first episode. It's, it's, it's one of those documentaries because I was, I was thinking going into it like, all right, it's four parts. I'll break this down, you know, because most TJ, we're talking about four hours here. Like, I don't, no one has four hours in the time of day like that to sit and watch things. But like this wrapped me in last night. So I was like, you mm, got okay. glued. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited to see about it. We'll talk more about it, obviously, next week with the Kings. And uh, and that's the name of the documentary, the four part documentary for Hagler, Leonard, Hearns, Duran and how it all uh, intertwined. Looking forward uh, to seeing all of that and watching it unfold. And Showtime does such a fantastic job with these long form uh, pieces. We love the Hector Camacho long form documentary that they had out late last year on the late Macho Man Um, and, and his life, his career, his unsolved murder how all of that tied in with a great documentary. So I can't wait for the true to life stories here to come off of the small screen on uh, the Kings, the four part documentary series. Love it. Love it on that. All right. Let's say we pause here. We've got much more to talk about, including getting into the fight, the championship fights in two places, Southern California and Las Vegas for this weekend. Marquee standby. Jake Donovan of BoxingScene.com is coming up straight ahead with us as we continue on previewing the fistic art, the sweet science this weekend. It is the Big Fight Weekend podcast as we rock along. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you have to check out their fantasy best ball tournaments, which are some of the best around, including Best Ball Mania 2. That tournament going on right now with your shot at a million dollars. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlayed player props, for MLB, the NBA, and more. And they have a special NBA playoffs best ball tournament coming up as well. Just go to underdogfantasy.com, use our promo code SGPN, and don't forget to enter the Best Ball Mania 2 tournament right now for your chance at a million dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Hey, do you ever feel like you're always on, and what do you do when you need a moment to chill How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? Every day it seems to be go, 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 and it's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Well, guess what? You can reach for a Coors Light because it is made to chill. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button and do so with Coors Light. Reminder that Coors Light is cold, lagered, cold-filtered, cold package. is literally made to chill, and it's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Once again, Coors Light, the official beer, by the way, of the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs is Coors Light. And when you are thinking that it is time to cool off, to be refreshed, Memorial Day weekend or throughout the summer, When you reach for a Coors Light, you know it's made to chill. So again, with whatever you're doing, however fast it's going, however hot it is, remember our friends at Coors Light. 
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in, and as promised, we need all the help that we can get on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Not just Marquise and me mixing it up, but any time that we get the opportunity to be set straight, to be put in line, to be put on the right track, to get some knowledge dropped on us from Jake Donovan of BoxingScene.com. We take advantage of that, and he is right here with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Not just here in the figurative sense, but literally there on scene getting ready for Ubali and Donair, the WBC Bantamweight Championship fight that headlines the PBC Showtime card from Carson, California, Dignity Health Sports Complex. Jake Donovan, good to have you uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Thank you, sir. Yes, TJ. Thank you so much, man. So, yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, Marquis, it's always a pleasure. So, yeah. believe it or not, this is going to be my debut at Dignity Health Sports Park. Whoa. Uh, Home Depot Center through Stuff Up. Stuff Up. I'm, yeah, stepping site on a boxing sacred ground, man. I, I can't wait. It's a heck of a card. Uh, just being there for the press conference today, I just got even that much more excited for what we're in store for this weekend one thing you want to clear up for marquise because he keeps repeating what they were saying on showtime they, they started calling this place the punch bowl as in yeah. punches being thrown and you're not going to catch that. on you hate that Jake donovan <laughs> not that you just think that that might be a little shaky you uh, want that burned you want yeah. that flushed yeah yeah no i'm uh yeah look i, I got i love moro ranallo him and his ability to just drop flat all the words on the you know <laughs> at a, a moment's uh, notice, but no, there's no way in hell we're calling this punch bowl. Not the punch bowl. Not the punch bowl for Jake. The war grounds, whatever you want. No, that's it's a big F no for me. No. Yeah, the no. war grounds uh, kind of works a little bit better too yeah. with some of these battles and some of these fights. Um, all right, so before we get into the card that you are covering and uh, and all the great amenities that come along with being on the road and, and covering the PBC show in Southern California. Um, you were also relaying this is the first time that you've traveled and been able to do all of this post COVID-19 with the pandemic. So aside from them rolling out the red carpet for you, et cetera, we'll get to that in a moment. We talked a lot previous to you coming on about Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez. So enough of Marquise and me, give me some thoughts on the Scotsman now being undisputed at 140 pounds. Uh, there are few four belt holders. He yep. is one, Josh Taylor. Tell us more about what you saw and what do you think his short-term future is, Jake? I, I mean, I really loved what I saw. Um, you know, he, he just continues to impress people. I mean, a lot of people, they already had him on their pound for pound list. I had him like right at the bubble. He was like 10A, 10B. This is like, he, he definitively belongs among the best five, six, seven, you know, fighters in the world right now. It was, um, the first eight rounds of what he was able to do against Jose Ramirez, which is, it was remarkable. I mean, I thought, you know, he, he played it so smart. He had the two knockdowns and built up enough of a lead to where I'm not going to say he coasted the last four rounds, but he was confident that what he had done was enough to, to win at that high level. I mean, you know, we're talking about, this is the ultimate championship level at 140 pounds. They were one and two at that, you know, at that weight. And he, he definitively won that fight. I mean, you could argue it should have been, well, I had it 115, 111, the three judges had it 114, 112, but it, it was just a terrific performance. Kudos to Jose Ramirez. Marquise and I talked about how, um, you know, how Jose was, you know, relentless. He was going to come back in the second half and he did just that. And Josh Taylor, you know, did everything he had to do to preserve that win. Um, I thought he had, a, I think it was like the 10th round where he was able to just kind of solidify it for me. So I, I, I can't say enough about what, it, what Josh Taylor was able to do in the ring. He, he truly 
establish himself as the best 140 pound fighter in the world. He probably did it when he beat Regis Progray. There's absolutely no doubt. And the thing I look forward to do is that he's probably going to stick around at the weight. I don't see him racing up to 147 anytime soon. Maybe he fights Terrence Crawford. I think that's just Bob Arum trying to keep Terrence Crawford at top rank. I, I think Josh, he can make weight and he's going to stick around for a while. You know, I want to pick it back off that point, Jake. You mentioned uh, uh, Terrence Crawford. Yeah, I'm going to be on that. I think that's just pie in the sky and just Bob being Bob at this point. I mean, Bob, let's be honest, guys. Bob gets carte blanche at this one because he's 89 years old. If he was 26 like our, or my age, we, we, we're giving a lot more crap for this stuff. But he, here, here we are. But another name I want to throw back at you, uh, Jake, as well, that I've been hearing that I don't think it's going to happen either is I keep hearing Tiafimo Lopez being name dropped all of a sudden, too. Dude. Right. Are, are, are these guys getting along at, at top rank all of a sudden? Because uh, he's fighting uh, for Triller next month. Well, I will say before the purse bid, you know, that, that was the plan with that. Teofimo was going to defend against George Cambosos and then maybe fight once more at 135 or take, a, you know, like an optional fight at 140 and then work his way towards, you know, whoever, you know, won last weekend. That was going to be his, you know, final fight of, uh, of 2021. The purse bid kind of changed that dynamic all of a sudden, you know, yeah. you know, you know how Bob gets. So it's, you know, yeah. on top rank, you know, they're kind of, he's dead to them at the moment. I don't, I don't think he's going to get the win. Um, <laughs> The thing with Josh Taylor, too, that he's already acknowledged he has to fight his WBO mandatory. Yeah. Apologies if I mess up his name. Jack Catterall, I believe. I can't the imagine. formidable Jack Catterall is right. next up. Okay, yeah, I can't imagine it's pronounced any other way than, than Catterall. But, <laughs> We've yeah, been working hard before you came on on Nordine <laughs> Ubole, yeah. and you're going to quibble over Catterall and whether that's right. We're good. We're good. Just go on. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Josh has already acknowledged that he is going to fight him next. He's probably going to have – I think the WBC mandatory, either the WBC or the, yeah, I'm sorry, the WBC mandatory after that. You know, that that's how it is. You get these four belts, you got to, you know, make those mandatory. So maybe he gives up a belt somewhere along the way and takes a super fight. But for now, it's going to be, you know, Catterall, then maybe, um, you know, the uh, the next mandatory after that. It's, I don't think it's going to be Teofimo Lopez. I actually think Teofimo, if he can make 135, will stick it around and hopefully get a super fight at that weight. Yeah. The rematch with Progre... Uh, intrigues us too. I don't know what, you know, how much value there is in that for Taylor, but uh, potentially there is. We'll see if that is the case. But I mean, you're convinced that he stays at 140, and some would argue that he, either Lopez, a weight down or coming up, or something at 147 would have to be more attractive. Of course, at 147, you've got the elite of the elite with Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence on the other side. With that, I'm just I'm just interested if I'm him, and I kind of said this with Marquise in the last segment, I soak in being the undisputed champ to your point, and I fight a couple of guys at 140. And that would be refreshing to see that yeah. some in the present day boxing. Stay at your weight. Same thing with Teofimo Lopez. Stay at your weight and defend it two or three times as the undisputed champ. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. That's that's the thing that always gets me. Like that's why I was happy when Usyk won the World Boxing Super Series tournament. He took that next fight against Tony Bellew. You knew he was going to move up eventually, but at least he did defend it. Bernard Hopkins, you know, he, he won all four belts, defended against Howard Eastman, had the very controversial loss to Jermaine Taylor, but at least he made the attempt to establish, you know, not just become the world champion, but defend that world championship. We don't see that a lot once these guys, you know, on the female side, they do it. You know, Katie Taylor has been the undisputed lightweight champion forever. Clarissa Shields, you know, she's now one, the 154 champ after winning 160. You know, Cecilia Brakis did it forever, and Jessica McCaskill is doing it. So I'd like to see the guys, you know, take you know take the lead from the ladies on that. But, you know, hopefully Josh Taylor can. Like I said, it's also going to depend on when he fights Jack Catterall next. If it happens at the end of the year, then he might be on borrowed time sticking around at 147. But if you can make that fight, maybe we can do like Regis Progre and Jose Zapata to, you know, for the WBC interim title. 
where the winner is guaranteed to fight Josh Taylor. That that would be the nice path for Regis to get to, to Taylor, I believe. So, you All know, right. Regis getting a significant fight like that and getting a mandatory out of the way as well to, you know, kind of shorten the path to the championship. And it was a great fight. I know it was, a, a you know, almost two years ago now that we're into May, June, uh, that Taylor and Progray fought. But it, it would be a very intriguing rematch, I think. Uh, and let's just see if that if that does come around. It's probably a 2022 thing, but let's see if that does come around. Jake Donovan, a boxing scene with us here for a few more minutes. All right, let's get right into it. You were in and around the press conferences. Nordine Ubale, if I, if I came close to getting that right. Nonito Donaire, WBC Bantamweight Championship on the line, the world title at 118 pounds on the line, Saturday night main event, PBC on Showtime uh, there from the Dignity Sports Health a complex in Carson, California. Obviously, you're there to cover it. How interested and intrigued are you by this main event title fight? What say you, Jake? You know, it's not just the main event. It's, you know, just like the card we had uh, two weeks ago. It's all three fights on the on the telecast. I think Showtime, you know, when they had their rollout um, last month, you know, you, you kind of, there was interesting, uh, you were interested in pretty much every fight on the schedule. And I had these two dates circled and I had, um, you know, September 11th, obviously, because, the schedule began with 122 and ended 122. And then you got these guys down here at 118. You know, Nordinu Bali is, you know, maybe a rung below in a way. And Casimiro, he's, I'd, I'd say he's probably the third best band weight in the world. And Donaire is right there with him. He's probably the fourth best band weight in the world. So I, it's, um, some are worried that it's kind of a style disaster for, uh, for Donaire. But, you know, we've seen his power, his power has stayed with him this late to his career. I mean, he keeps going up and down the scale. The one thing that's always stayed with him is his punching power. So I think that keeps him in any fight. You know, we haven't really seen O'Bally's uh, chin tested yet. I do believe it will get tested this weekend. Well, and I wonder too, uh, you know, the, the, one of the intriguing things is fighters moving up. And then if they try to move back down, and as you referenced, Donaire fought at featherweight before at yeah. 126 and is now back down fighting at Bantamweight. He fought the monster at Bantamweight. He's fighting this one eight pounds less back at Bantamweight. Does that concern you on him uh, having to drain himself to be able to make that weight? And especially if the fight goes on into later rounds, should that be a concern at his age? You know, it would have been a concern for me going into the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight tournament because um, it was fine. I actually had this discussion with today with Nonito and with uh, Richard Schaefer, where yeah. after the Call Frampton fight, the first thing Richard asked Nonito was, can you still make 118? He's like, yeah, why? He's like, oh, nothing. I got something in mind. And then the, the something in mind was the fight, the World Boxing Super Series tournament. And it revitalized his career. I mean, he got the injury stoppage win over um, Brian Burnett. And then mm -hmm. he, he won the second round. He was supposed to fight Zelani Tate. He could have unified. But, you know, he wound up, you know, almost getting a pass to the finals. But then you saw what he was able to do against uh, Inouye, one of the best fighters in the world. Most people have him, you know, one, two, or three on the found, found list. Yeah. And it wound up being the Boxing Writers Association of America um, 2019 fight of the year. That's, you know, that says a lot that, you know, in a way, you know, knocking out pretty much everyone in his career. And then Donaire is, you know, this old man Donaire is taking one of the <laughs> baddest fighters in the sport, you know, 12 rounds deep in that thrilling of a fight. I mean, all of us were watching it in the wee hours of the morning. And it's like, none of us went back to sleep after that. So that's, uh, so like I so said, once I saw what he was able to do there at that stage of his career, I was like, okay, this guy's a bantamweight. You know, maybe he was fighting too, you know, too heavy in the other years. You know, now he's back where he belongs. He even said that today, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. Yeah, Jake, I want to follow up actually on, on the Showtime undercard. The names I want to talk to you about, and it's a guy that I've been keeping an eye on forever, it seems. Gary Antoine Russell's on this card. 
And he's facing uh, Giovanni Santiago. The, the question is, and, and what, I'm not going to ask you, Jake, Jake, is if or when he knocks out Santiago. My question is, what does what's next for Gary Antoine Russell afterwards? Oh, man, he and I had a really, really great talk after the press conference. I just I love him. Gary Russell Jr. I mean, they're just so very cerebral. It's like they they have this calm way of just, you know, kind of shitting on the rest of the sport. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else around them. They just have that confidence that they are the best at what they do. And, you know, he, Gary, Gary Antoine Russell knows. You know, he, he believes he's the best 140 pound in the world, but he knows he has to get more active. He has to get the fights in in order to prove it. So this is supposed to be the first step for him. He wants to fight four times this year. But the, mm. that, by that fourth fight, he wants it to be against Josh Taylor or at least for a title, if you know, I mean, the belt are vacant by them. But he mentioned all the names. He's been calling out Robert Easter. He's been calling out Adrian Broner. You know, he both, you know, he and his brother both have been calling out Tank. So he wants these big fights. He's going to. This weekend is going to be basically he's treating that as an audition. You know, he's going to start forcing PBC's hands to, to make these bigger fights for him. You know, don't focus on the fact that he's only going into his 14th fight. Don't focus that he hasn't been past four rounds yet. He wants the big fights. He wants to show this weekend that, you know, he's ready for those big fights. And that, that's a good step. I mean, whether or not you thought Giovanni Santiago beat Adrian Broner, he did well enough, you know, against He the, did. Let's be honest, Jake. He did. <laughs> yeah. I, I Look, I, I don't disagree with anyone who had it that way. Yeah. So I, you know, I, you know what I, I admit to, I think I had it that close, but yeah, you know, that's neither here nor there. He, he showed that, you know, he wasn't just a tune up for Broner. He, he showed he kind of belonged on that stage or, you know, Gary Antoine Russell has the opportunity to show that neither one of them belong in the ring with him. So hmm. that first step comes this weekend. Just another moment or two, Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com, with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, dropping the knowledge from Southern California. He's there for the triple header, including the championship fight, Obwale against Donaire. Did I come close to getting the name right? Uh, there for the WBC. For the I'm, I'm getting. I'm moving further away. That's not good. WBC bantamweight <laughs> title fight on Showtime uh, that is coming on Saturday night uh, in this one uh, for the 118-pound title. Um, also on Saturday night, can't let you get out of here without an opinion on Devin Haney and Jorge Linares, uh, who will be fighting in Las Vegas, the DAZN matchroom show who can figure out, I wrote this earlier in the week. What do I know? Who can figure out the WBC, the rankings, the WBA is bad enough, but the WBC put out a press release that I think even confused themselves on trying to explain <laughs> who's the champ, who's the franchise champ, who's the super champ, who's the sort of number one contender, who's the interim, who's maybe the number one contender. So in any event, this Haney fight with Linares kind of sets some of it into motion, but then you've also got Javier Fortuna fighting in July. You've got Ryan Garcia looming, and oh, by the way, Teofimo Lopez beat their guy, their franchise guy, Lomachenko. I'm lost on the WBC. Jake, help me. Help me Jake. <laughs> uh, you know, this is why I used to, I made a point for years to never even mention the sanctioning bodies until I just found, you know, it's kind of disingenuous. You know, they're, they are the reason why, you know, a lot of these fights are happening. So you have to mention them, you know, it, it just, yeah. nonsense like this, you just go dizzy. So, I mean, look, it's to me, what Teofimo Lopez has going on is no different than any other fighter who's vacated the title in the past. You know, Richard Comey became the IBF champ because Mikey Garcia gave up that title. Yeah. So it's not like, okay, well, Errol Spence beat, you know, Mikey Garcia. So even though it was 12 pounds heavier, you know, he's the lightweight champion because he beat Mikey Garcia. That's just, you know, he beat Vasily Lomachenko to become the lineal champion. That, that's the most important part. Not even getting into the ring title stuff. That's, he beat Vasily Lomachenko. But as far as physical belts go, he won the WBA belt. He won the WBO belt. He defended his IBF belt. Devin Haney was supposed to fight Vasily Lomachenko. Vasily Lomachenko made, well, at least top rank made, you know, the decision on his behalf 
to give up that title instead of fighting Devin Haney. Mm. You know, Devin Haney fought, took the interim title fight against Zara Abdullayev to become the interim champion with the intention of next facing Vasily Lomachenko. Top rank and Lomachenko decided that wasn't going to happen. Devin Haney got the title. It, it's, look, Teofimo Lopez, I believe deep down knows that, you know, knows why people argue that he's not the undisputed champion. It shouldn't yeah. matter. He's the best lightweight in the world. He's the lightweight champion. It doesn't matter that he doesn't have that physical title. It shouldn't matter. But it goes, just goes to show you that belts do matter to these guys. So the easiest <laughs> way to end that argument is to go fight Devin Haney and get that title. That, it's pretty easy. That's if, if, if Devin Haney beats Jorge Lenares this weekend. Very big F in my opinion. You think Lenares can really give him a run my in this favorite, one? I can tell. Well, <laughs> a lot of, you know, the odds are very heavily in Devin Haney's favor. The, when I interviewed Jorge Linares, my favorite reaction with him was that you're fighting another matchroom fighter. Held up four fingers. He's 4-0 against Eddie Hearn's fighters. Yeah. He's going to make it 5 and He has very good history against matchroom. Golden Boy actually has a very good history, you know, young history against uh, matchroom fighters. Um, I don't discount it. This is the biggest fight of Devin Haney's career. You know, for all the talk that he's a top two, top three lightweight, Jorge Linares is far and away the best guy he's fought to date. I think he should beat him. I think he's a good enough boxer to where he should retain his title. I don't know if he's going to stop him. Um, I, I think it's going to be a better fight than most people will give the credit for, to be honest. Love this man's insight. Marquise, I appreciate you finding Jake Donovan for us to hang on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, uh, even if he will not go along with you continuing to perpetuate Punch Bowl in Carson, <laughs> California. He's against so you bad. on that, but he's for us and being part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Jake, we appreciate it. Thank you for hanging with us. Keep knocking them dead at boxing scene. They need to follow you at Jake, the letter N, mm. like Nancy. This is a great Twitter handle, Jake in the box, D A B O X, not Jack in the box, which is a popular <laughs> burger chain in the West. Jake in the box, uh, Jake Donovan of boxing scene. Jake, thanks for hanging out and yeah. putting up with us on the big fight. No, absolutely much podcast. like my time here. I appreciate the VIP treatment. Thank you so much, guys. Again, love the insight of Jake Donovan and Marquise as we have you still with me here for the remaining moments of the podcast. Let's get right into it. First off with the Ubuale Donaire main event. You're looking over the odds for our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Lay it out for me. WBC Bantamweight World Title Fight. What are our odds looking at with the unbeaten Frenchman and the veteran Donaire, the Filipino? Absolutely, TJ. The, uh, the odds on this uh, main event on Showtime Saturday night coming from the uh, Health Sports Complex. Uh, Ubali, the uh, Frenchman who's the champion uh, at, at Bantamweight, uh, is a small favorite at uh, minus 250 over uh, Donaire at uh, plus 195. I like Ubali to win this fight pretty much, TJ, by a close decision. The one thing that Jake mentioned, and I'm going to piggyback up on that as well and expand on it, this fight has the stylistic makings of being a uh, a matchup nightmare because the way Donaire comes at uh, fighters like Ubali, for example, Ubali is one that that fights on the counter, TJ. So he's going to be coming at him, and Ubali's going to make him miss and then hit at afterwards. It's going to be one of those kind of fights. So it could be it could be it's going to be cat or mouse, or it's going to be one of those quick stoppages, one way or the other. But the real thing about that main this main event, TJ, that has everyone freaking out a little bit and having them winding back up the clocks. If Donaire is somehow able to win this belt uh, from Obali, it may set up a, a TJ a, a, an eventual rematch from 2013 with uh, Guillermo uh, Rigandau, who uh, faced Donaire back in 2013 and beat and Rigandau beat Donaire back in 2013, back then by unanimous decision years ago. So there's a fear and a possibility of that fight being uh, happening again. So that, that's in the back door of all of this. Otherwise, 
with uh, the rest of them at Bantamweight, it could be a, a hot spot of everything. But I think Ubali, all, once it's all said and done, TJ is just going to just outbox him for 12 rounds. And on the undercard, anything intriguing in terms of the odds and the predictions there? What else on yeah. the Showtime PBC card? Uh, yes, DJ. If, you, if you're looking for an underdog that's a live one on this card, uh, go ahead and take uh, Giovanni Santiago, who may have something to prove against Gary Antoine Russell. That's the one guy that, uh, in terms of this card, that may actually pull off an upset, would possibly be able, possibly do it is him because he has something to say. He wants to prove that that Broner loss was was not a thing that actually happened because he did win that fight outright personally. And uh, Santiago's uh, underdog at plus 450. That's one of those numbers where if Santiago somehow is able to outbox Russell, that hits big. And that's also big. Realistically, TJ, this could be a third-round beatdown for Antoine Russell. But (laughs) (laughs) on the flip side of that, if if Santiago shows up the way I think he may show up, it may be at least a little bit longer than that. All right, and again, that's a 10-round junior welterweight showdown. Subriel Mortayas is fighting uh, Jukumbayev. Uh, yes. You're going to try the first name on that one. I've been having fun with the, with the names. Jukumbayev, I want to say it's uh, name. Bazin. Bazin Jukumbayev. That's yeah. the IBF junior welterweight title eliminator. So we got two junior welterweight bouts, non-title bouts that are on the undercard. Ubuale and Donaire will be fighting somewhere around 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific Saturday night on the Showtime card. And you're also looking at that matchroom to zone uh, Haney versus Lenares WBC lightweight title. Devin Haney out of California, unbeaten has the WBC belt. They elevated him to the world champ. Uh, he is a big favorite. Yes. In this fight from the odds makers against Lenares Saturday night on DAZN in Las Vegas. Yeah, TJ, uh, pretty much Lenares is almost a five to one underdog in this fight against Haney. And, and it's mainly because, let, let's be honest, TJ, Lenares is old. That's just the way it is. Like, it, he is. But and in terms of uh, Haney's resume and fights, this is clearly, as we mentioned with Jake, this is the best fight in terms of names on his resume, former title challenger, former title holder, actually. And with Lenares, the one thing about this fight with Haney and Lenares that I want everyone to pay attention to is, what version of Haney are we going to get? Are we going to get the same one that sat and boxed around Gamboa for 12 rounds? Or are we going to get the one that actually found a way to uh, completely slug Antonio Moran two years ago with that knockout of the year in 2019? That, that was on the list. That's what this comes down to. I think Haney makes a statement here, TJ. I, I wouldn't touch Lenars with a pole on this one. But I will touch the under on this, which is under at eight and a half. If there's going to be a knockout in this fight, it's going to be before eight and a half rounds by Haney. All right. So the under over there. Uh, and again, listen more to Marquise. I, I get to go in the corner right now with the dunce cap on because I just had Jose Ramirez last, just for this week because I had yeah. Jose Ramirez last week. So you're liking a potential Haney knockout for those who are looking to short term invest on this fight uh, on the Haney Lenares fight again to zone match room that fight will come off somewhere again around 11 Eastern time, give or take out of Las Vegas coming on a, a Saturday, anything on the zone card also of note on the undercard that stands out to you real quick before we are done? Oh, honestly, TJ, this fight card on the undercard is not that great, but there is one name I will give everyone to keep an eye out for. Chantel Cameron, a super lightweight female prospect, uh, is going to be facing Melissa Hernandez. She's in action. That's That may be interesting. Outside of that, TJ, this undercard is pretty brutal. There's a Shane Mosley sighting on this card too as well, by the way. Uh Facing Jason Quigley, that's probably the co-main event of this card, by this the way. This is the son of Sugar Shane Mosley, Shane Mosley Jr., that yes. we're watching uh, out of the middleweight division that's on this card as well for DAZN. But clearly, 
Uh, Haney in this, and if he's spectacular, then you know he's going to be calling out Teofimo Lopez uh, when this is all said and done. And uh, and it's already been, again, to reference what I wrote earlier in the week, it's already been further muddled. Is Ryan Garcia the number one contender for this belt or not? It looks like that Javier Fortuna will have the chance to be the number one contender fighting Jojo Diaz now instead of Garcia in July. And if Fortuna wins, is Fortuna going to be the guy that gets Devin Haney at the end of the year? It, se- it seems that it's almost like semifinals in that regard for Haney and Linares on Saturday night. And then if Fortuna wins or if Diaz wins, they get Haney later on this year, right? Yeah, that's the process, TJ. And what they're doing with that is because they, the WBC in their, in their infinite wisdom uh, subject uh, Haney during this pandemic, the two mandatories. And <laughs> the only way they can figure out how to circumvent these, this mandatory shenanigans of a belt that they emailed to this kid. All right, so we'll see what happens with these showdowns uh, that are coming in both Southern California and Las Vegas. Thanks again to Jake Donovan hanging with us here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Reminder, subscribe to this podcast wherever you found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network fleet of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Marquise, thank you, my friend. Enjoy the fights for this weekend. We'll see what happens. Absolutely, DJ. Thanks so much. There we go. We are done. Reminder, read the website, bigfightweekend.com as well. I am merely TJ Reeves. we got all the boxing action, PBC on Showtime, the DAZN Matchroom Show this weekend, and much more closing out may be safe on Memorial Day weekend. And thank you for finding us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.